the blood of the Lamb that covers the guilt of my past. By the mercy of God, holy and righteous I stand. Welcome to the Preaching Podcast. I'm Paul Robinson, and I hope you're doing great. Boy, the message we have today, I'm really excited about this. This is a challenging message. I think it's a challenge to all of us. This message is about complacency. You, you, you know what complacency is, right? It's kind of a, a smugness, a kind of an I don't care attitude. And that's uh, unfortunately very common among Christians today. We become complacent to the point where we just don't care. Boy, that's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. It is. You know, that's dangerous about anything in life. If if you become complacent in your job, that's really bad. If you're in a sports team, you become complacent. Your team's not going to do really well. If you become complacent in in your studies for, for school or for some kind of class you're in, oh, that's bad. Anything you become complacent in, it's, it's dangerous to become complacent with the Christian life, to become complacent in your walk with God is very dangerous. And that's what this sermon is all about. Now, this is a real special sermon. I actually preached this uh, in another church in Tampa, Florida. This sermon I preached on a Wednesday night. It was May 9th, 2018. And so I was able to preach in this other church. What a blessing that was. And I do have to tell you that the sound quality is not the best. It's, it's, uh, it's not quite what I wish it were. I tried to clean it up, but sound quality is not quite there. But I, I still wanted to give you this message because I, I think it's very much needed today. I think complacency is a very dangerous thing that can happen to, to anybody. And, uh, and, and and you'll see what I mean as we get into this message. So I know this will be a blessing. I, I hope you will be attentive to this message. And so without further ado, here it is, The Curse of Complacency. It's one of the most deadly sins in our world today. Uh, this sin has destroyed churches and families. It has devastated nations and torn apart societies. No, I'm not talking about adultery. I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about complacency. First of all, what is complacency? You know, it might be good to define it. Well, it's defined as showing smug or uncritical satisfaction with one's achievements. And that makes me think of perhaps a sports team that is uh, playing in a season... And they've won three games in a row. And they think, wow, we're really good. We just won three games in a row. We're undefeated. Uh, nobody can match us. And they become complacent. They become content where they're at. And, hey, coach, we don't really need to practice much, okay? We, don't need, we, under, we, we, we know this game, coach. We don't really need to practice much because we've got it all together and we're a really good team and we've got something good going. And, and they're complacent. That's complacency. It's being content and satisfied with yourself, uh, thinking you've got it all together. Well, the church of the Laodiceans was a complacent church. And we're living in the Laodicean age today. And let me tell you, there's many churches and Christians that are complacent and they don't even realize it. So tonight, let's look at three facts which Jesus addresses in this passage. Three facts. First, we see the assessment. 
the assessment. Notice again verses 15 and 16 where Jesus says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. You know, when, when you go outside and you go, go running for some exercise or something and you're really hot and sweaty because it's hot outside and it's humid outside and you come back and you're like, oh, whew, what is the what is the first thing you want? You want something cold to drink, right? You want like an ice cold water or an ice cold glass of lemonade or tea or Gatorade or wh- whatever, all right? You, you want something that's cold and refreshing, all right? That, that's what you want. Oh, but you don't want warm water. Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, you're hot and you're tired and you need to be refreshed. Warm water or lukewarm water would be disgusting. It would be repulsive. That's exactly uh, what he's talking about here. And I also think of, of something hot. You know, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I, I, I might be out of bed, but I'm not awake. I'm not awake until I get a cup of hot, delicious coffee. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about, all right? And maybe you're not a coffee drinker, but maybe you prefer a cup of hot tea or a cup of hot chocolate. And man, it's got to be hot, all right? Because once it starts losing its heat and it gets warm, well, time to put it in the microwave because it's got to be hot. You know what I mean? I don't want I don't want lukewarm coffee. That, that's that's disgusting. Well, why would anybody want to drink lukewarm uh, coffee? And during this time, feasts would always have beverages which were hot or cold, but never lukewarm. All right? Never lukewarm. In fact, physicians use lukewarm water to cause vomiting. Oh, you got some kind of stomach disease? All right, let me get you lukewarm water. Here you go. Get it out. All right, get it out. That, that's what lukewarm water, that's all it's good for. That's all it is, is for vomiting. And Jesus here is speaking to the church and saying, all your church is good for is to make me vomit. So make me sick. You sicken me. The, pa- the people of Laodicea, they, they understood lukewarm. Uh, hot spring water was piped to their city from Hierapolis, which was just six miles away. The problem was, by the time it got to their city, it had lost its heat and it was lukewarm. Well, they also had cold water at Colossae, which was not far from them. And the cold water was piped to Laodicea, but by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. That their water supply was all lukewarm water. If you wanted good water, you had to go to one of these other cities. And so Jesus is saying to them, uh, you know what? Your, your spiritual temperature is just like your water. It's lukewarm. And it's not good for anything except vomiting. And, and Jesus' point here was not, you should be on fire for God. That's usually how we hear right? You should be on fire for God and not cold for God or lukewarm. But that's not really his point. His point was that the church's spiritual temperature, it was just right in the middle. You know, uh, they, they were on the fence. They were satisfied with some spirituality, but not total. Not total. Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. You cannot have both. You cannot have it both ways. First John 2.15 tells us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, 
the love of the Father is not in him. You, you can't have both. You either love God, or we love the world. And the Laodiceans said, no, we can have both. Because we're wealthy. And we, we have everything we need. And, and uh, we have God too. And we're just going to add God. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But if a church is lukewarm today, the Lord Jesus would rather have that church just close its doors than to continue in such a sickening state. Better to have no church than a complacent church. So the assessment is, you are lukewarm. But secondly, we see the arrogance. The arrogance in verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Notice Jesus says to them, thou sayest. Hey, this is what you say. This is what you think to be true. This is your own words. Well, what do they say? They say a few different things. First, they say, I am rich. You see, the people of Laodicea were very wealthy. The city was in the southwest of Phrygia on the river Lycus, not far from Colossae, and lying between Colossae and Philadelphia. It was destroyed by an earthquake in AD 62 and was rebuilt by its wealthy citizens without the help of the state. These people were so wealthy that they could rebuild their own city from their own pockets. And its main industry was wool cloth, but it also had strong business in banking and optometry. They had a medical school that produced eye ointment. And so they had plenty of money. And they say, not only I'm rich, but I'm increased with goods. The average citizen of Laodicea had great material prosperity. They had all the comforts of luxurious homes of that day. I mean, they had food and clothes and medicine in abundance. They could truly say, I'm increased with goods. It sounds a lot like us today, doesn't it? But I want you to notice the next thing that they say. They say, and have need of nothing. Due to the prosperity of the city and the affluent lives of the people, this was their attitude. Ha, I have need of nothing. But Jesus is speaking to the church. Affluence often leads to complacency, doesn't it? Our needs are not, our needs are met physically and, and we equate that to the spiritual. Well, look at all the things I have. And we equate that to the spiritual. Perhaps we do not even need God or His Word. And this is a great danger. Complacency blinds us to our greatest needs. <laughs> we don't even know it. Like the frog who slowly boiled to death, we have become increasingly lax toward God and we don't even realize it. This is the curse of complacency. Complacency is, is a state we get in where we're, we're increasingly lax towards God. And the Laodicean Christians, they, they were not the only group of complacent people in the Bible. Oh no. You see, the nation of Israel, they also struggled with complacency. Turn to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi. In Malachi, God accuses His people of being complacent. Well, here's the problem. They don't see it. Eleven times the phrase, ye say, is used. 
Well, that's interesting. That's exactly what Jesus said to the Laodiceans. Thou sayest. And here God is speaking to His people and He says, Ye say this. You say that. Alright? But Israel's service to God, it had mutated into what they wanted it to be. I want you to notice seven accusations from God in the book of Malachi. First we see, accusation, you've despised my name. Malachi 1 and verse 6. God says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Wow, what an accusation. God says, Hey, you despise me. A son honors his father. But you have not honored me. You've despised me. Accusation. You have polluted my altar. Verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Wow, so here God says, My altar, your service towards me is polluted. Even saying, Oh, favor of the Lord, it's, it's contemptible. Again, we, we despise this. Accusation. You are weary of serving me. Look at verse 13. You said also, Behold, what a weariness is it. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord. Here's what was happening during this time. They were bringing sacrifices to God. They were bringing sheep. But the sheep were blind or lame or sick. And they were giving that to God. And God says, well, why are you giving me the worst? You're supposed to give me the best. God says, you, you are... You are weary of serving me. And that's exactly what they say. Oh, what a weariness it is to serve the Lord. Oh, it's such a weariness. So let's just give God whatever, you know. Here's a, here's a sheep. This is a sick sheep. We'll give that to God, okay? That'll, hopefully that's good enough. They're complacent. Here's another accusation. You've accepted evil. Look at Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Hmm. So here's the nation of Israel saying basically that it's okay to do, to do wrong. It's okay. And, you know, God's loving God. He's not going to judge us. You know, just do whatever you want. It's fine. It's fine. And God says, That's not fine at all. You've accepted evil. Accusation, you have left me. Look at chapter 3 and verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? And so here's God saying, you have left me, and you have left my ordinances and my commandments and my word. And God says, return to me. But they didn't see it. We haven't left you, God. Accusation, you have robbed me. Look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And again, right here, God is saying, you're not giving me what is rightfully mine. You have robbed me. 
And then the final accusation, you've spoken against me. This is verses 13 and 14 of chapter 3. Notice what it says. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Wow. To speak out against God and to say it is vain to serve God. It's pointless. It's useless. There's no reason to do that. Wow. Well, the verdict is that Israel is guilty. Guilty of complacency. Did you see all their questions? God says, you've spoken again. Well, how, how did we do that, Lord? Lord, when did we do that? Well, I don't remember doing that. They, they don't even see it. They didn't even realize that they were lukewarm, and yet their actions and their attitudes were atrocious. Is it possible that we could be guilty of the very same sins without knowing it? It's absolutely possible if you're living in complacency. A state of complacency. And this is why the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in, in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to say, God, search my heart. Search me, Lord. Show me if I'm complacent in any way. That I, I think I'm doing right. But I'm, re I'm really not. My life is not matching my words. I'm complacent. The assessment. You were lukewarm. The arrogance. We have need of nothing. But finally tonight, the answer. The answer. Turn back to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And notice verse 18 as Jesus gives the answer to this church. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes that thou mayest see. It's very interesting that Jesus speaks to them in terms that they can understand. He says, buy of me. You see, these people, the Laodiceans, they were merchants. They were traders. They, they understood buying and selling. And Jesus says, buy of me. It's very interesting that just as Israel did not realize that they were complacent, it was the same with the Laodiceans. Because in verse 17, he says, Thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, and knowest not. And knowest not. Jesus says, you don't even realize that you are naked and blind and poor and miserable. So can I give you some counsel? Buy of me these essentials. Buy this from me because you need it. We could be living our lives thinking, uh, my, my Christian life is wonderful. It couldn't be any better. And yet we're living in complacency. And Jesus comes along and says, can I give you some counsel? Can I counsel you? You think everything is great, but you're naked. And you're poor. And you are blind and miserable. Buy of me. Buy of me. Well, what should we buy? Jesus gives us three essentials to buy. First, riches. Riches. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. You know what? 
God's word is often compared to riches. In Psalm 19 and verse 10, it says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. You know, God's word is the riches that we need in our lives. We, we need every day to get up and open up God's word and, and dig for treasure in God's Word. Those are the riches that we need because the Laodiceans, boy, they were so wealthy, but spiritually they were so poor and miserable because they had become complacent towards God's Word. Well, it's terrible when, when you're satisfied with your Christian life and you're content where you're at and you say, oh, I've grown so much in the Lord, I think I'm okay. I, I think I don't really... Not much more I can grow, and of course you would never say that or think that, but perhaps that's, that's what your actions speak when you neglect to read God's Word in the morning. When you say, oh, I, I can just skip it. I, 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 don't, I don't need it. We've become complacent towards God's Word. The second thing is raiment. Uh, he says, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Raymond, this is, this is talking about righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will get greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. And of course, we've already been covered with the righteousness of Christ. But we still need to live a life of sanctification, being set apart from the world. And we certainly need God's robe of righteousness to, to live a life that is distinct and different. To put off the things of the world and put on the things of the Lord. To have a robe of righteousness that we wear. And, and here the Laodiceans, they, they, they were living, uh, Jesus says, you're, you're naked. Uh, you're shameful. Buy of me the robe of righteousness. Live a life of righteousness that is distinct. That is different. But the third thing is remedy. And that is spiritual discernment. You see, he says to them, Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. It's very interesting because the Laodiceans had a special eye ointment that they were very proud of. And they'd apply it to their eyes and it would actually help, help you see. And Jesus says, you're selling your eye ointment, but you need it. You're blind spiritually. So buy of me some eye salve so that you can see. They were blind to the reality of spiritual things. And we need to let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit keep our vision sharp and focused on what is necessary for life. I mean, we, we might be able to see great physically, but spiritually we are so blind and clouded for the things of God. And you know, it, it's ironic that the Laodicean church, though they had the most, they were the most complacent. The, the other churches, Jesus didn't deal with them about complacency. And yet the other churches didn't have the things that Laodicea had. They had so much. And it's often those who have the most, who are the most complacent. We, we, we have so much. And did you know that the devil, the devil wants you to have the best house. The devil wants you to have the nicest car. The devil wants you to have the, the best clothes, the most stylish clothes. The devil wants you to have all the newest toys. 
The devil wants you to have a great job. Because the devil wants you to be comfortable and complacent. So you sit back and say, I have need of nothing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I, that, that church activity, I don't need to go to that. No, I don't need to do that. I'm too busy washing my car. Oh, I, I'm too busy cleaning my house. And we get busy doing other things and, and we've become complacent and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. And Jesus here is trying to shake the church out of its complacency. And let me encourage you tonight to purchase some things, to buy some things from the Lord, to buy some essentials from the Lord. Lord, I've been complacent. I didn't even know it. I let things slipping in my life and yet I see that I'm complacent and Lord, I need to buy some things from You. And so let me encourage you tonight, stop buying things from the world and buy some things from Jesus. Uh, purchase treasure from God's Word. Acquire the white robes of righteousness and buy God's eye salve of discernment because it always works. It always works. The assessment, you are lukewarm. The arrogance, we have need of nothing. The answer, buy of me. The essentials that you need. The attack on Pearl Harbor should have never happened. On the morning of December 7, 1941, First Lieutenant Kermit A. Tyler was on duty at Fort Shafter in Oahu, Hawaii. He was notified that there was an unusually large blip on the radar screen. It looked suspicious. But instead of investigating, Tyler spoke four simple words. Don't worry about it. Within the hour, more than 180 Japanese fighters bombed Pearl Harbor, killing over 2,000 people. The attack could have been avoided, or at least lessened, but the complacency of one doomed the lives of many. You know what? We are also called to warn others of impending doom. The Bible uses the term watchman. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. In Ezekiel 33, we see God talking to His prophet about something that's very important. And it's important for us as well. In verse 2, He says, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet, warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning... If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any persons from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. I wonder tonight how many people have died in their sins because we did not warn them. We're called to be watchmen and to warn them of the judgment to come. God's wrath against sin. 
But because of our complacency, some have died in their sins. Because we chose not to warn them. And I wonder tonight if the Lord Jesus Christ has come to you tonight. And if He's spoken to your heart tonight. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart tonight and caused you to see an area of your life in which you've been complacent. Odds are there's something. And He's come to you and He's spoken to you. And I wonder tonight, are you complacent in your walk? Your lifestyle? Are you complacent in your work? Your service to God? Are you complacent in your watch? Your witness for the Lord? Maybe tonight, God has caused you to see that you've been complacent and you didn't even know it. Why? Because you've been distracted. And the devil has caused you to just be comfortable where you're at. And you've reached a place in your Christian life where you're just, you're just content and satisfied. But your flavor has spoiled and, and you taste like spoiled milk to God. And it's sickening. So let's get back to where we need to be. Hey, don't be God's spitwad. Be His servant. One who's refreshing to Him. It's refreshing. It's delightful. In the age of lukewarm Christianity, let's be totally sold out for God. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, complacency, you see how dangerous it is? And I think it's so revealing to look at the book of Malachi and see how complacent those people were. You know, when we become complacent, we don't care. We might go to church. You might not. You don't care. Even if you do go to church, you're not going to church to hear anything. You're not going to, you don't want to grow. Complacency is truly destructive. It's detrimental. And so we have to be very careful in our lives. We have to make sure that we're living with purpose. We're living on purpose. We have to make sure we're seeking and pursuing God. Otherwise, we will become complacent. It's a terrible thing. So it's challenging. It's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to to everyone, to you. It is. Because it's a natural thing for us to just, over time, we get used to something and we become complacent. So you know what? Every now and then we just need to check ourselves. We just need to say, hey, where am I at? Am I becoming complacent? Uh-oh, it looks like I'm becoming complacent in this area. We've got to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be faithful to you. Help me to stay on fire for you. So I hope that was a help to you today. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to share it. Be sure to tell someone else about it. Uh, That's the best way to grow the audience here is to just share the show with someone else. So if you've been blessed by this show, uh, find someone you can share it with. Recommend it to someone else, please. And, uh, of course, you can also support the show for just as little as a dollar a month. And there's a link at the end of the description of this episode. You can click on that. You can support the show. I sure would appreciate that. And... uh, also, you can check out my church's YouTube channel, Northside Baptist Church, North Glen, Colorado. And there you've got uh, different sermons I've preached along with the other pastors from my church. That'll be a great blessing. Check out my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com. You can read my blogs, and uh, you, can, you can look at different things, my books as well. So be sure to check that out. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, 
God bless you. Oh.